Ephesians chapter 6 in your Bibles. Happy Mother's Day. Good to see you uh, mothers here. Um, My mom's not going to be here today, unfortunately. She's in South Carolina. But uh, I saw a program the other day with the great, um, the erudite philosopher and theologian um, known as Mr. T. um, This past week. And Mr. T said something very profound Uh, He said, if I never get another acting job or appear on TV again, I've achieved my goal to be a good son to my mother. Amen? And it's from Mr. T, so you better listen up, sucka. All right? So um, we're going (laughs) to, we're coming here now to the the end of our series. And if you're uh, new with us today, this is from Ephesians. We have walked through the second chapter, the third chapter, the fourth, the fifth. And here we come to the final verses of chapter number six, which explains our weapons on stage. We have gone through each one of these, explaining why they're mentioned in the Bible and what the significance is. And uh, the, the title of today's message, normally we won't do a lot with that, but it's, it's the warrior's victory. In other words, what does it really take to win? Because we all know that you can have the best weapons, the state-of-the-art defense and offensive weapons, but if you don't have a way to actually put that into play, um, there, there's not going to be victory. And I need to say something as well. Um, there, there was a momentous event in our world um, since last week. It was the death of Osama bin Laden. And I told our Wednesday night Bible study I would take a few moments this morning and explain from a Christian perspective how we're supposed to understand things such as uh, military force death and things of that sort. But I, I would like to, if I can, postpone that till next week because we've got a huge text to cover here and it is Mother's Day. And so I think it would be... Um, more fitting if we just put that off. But that is something I would encourage you to think about. Um, How do I understand my Christianity? Where does violence, where does self-defense, where does all of that fit in? So if you want to understand what I believe a Christian perspective on that is, um, come back next Sunday and we'll address that from uh, the scriptures. And I called my mom this morning and um, you know, she, she's just an amazing, amazing woman. She loves Jesus. I'm very, very blessed that she raised me from a child. She taught me God's Word and poured that into my life. And I said, Mama, it's Mother's Day, so I, I feel that I need to tell a little bit about you, you know, to the church since you're not there. And she said, well, just don't tell the bad stories. Um, but I, I do remember something with my mom. She's so sweet. But she's very passionate about the truth, and she does not like to see people get hurt. Uh, I remember when we were living in Oklahoma, we passed by. There were some kids. They were in a fight. I remember one had a pile of rocks, and he was just pelting one with his pile of rocks. And the other one had a cut-off piece of a, a garden hose and was beating the other kid. And I remember my mom, she just, she just got so angry. and She rolled down the window, and she started saying, God sees you! God sees you! God sees you! It's just like the fear of God, you know, got put in those kids and they did, the fight just dispersed. And, uh, and then a couple years ago, when my parents still lived in Florida, they're leaving the mall and there was this group of like 20 guys that had gathered around. There was this big guy who was picking a fight with a little guy. And my mom drove her car into the middle. The guy actually got thrown up against her car and she rolled down her window about that much and started going, shame, 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 shame. And a group of like 20 guys, they had no idea what to do. They look, she said it looked rough and tough and they totally dispersed. So my mom loves people but do not mess with my mom. She will absolutely take you down um, in love. 
And uh, there is Dog the Bounty Hunter, and then there's my mom. You know what I'm talking about? Just go and, and take names and, and get people. All right? So let's uh, jump into the text, though. But let me just say, um, if, you're, if your mom is, is still living, I would encourage you, um, even if you had a very rough upbringing, I would encourage you, seriously, um, not just on Mother's Day, because honestly, if Mother's Day is the only time that you tell your mom um, that you love her, um, that's, that's messed up. Amen? I mean, if, and if you're a guy too, like especially if you're a high school, middle school guy, and I find out that you're ashamed of hugging or kissing your mom in public, I will come to your school dressed in nothing but a wife beater with your name written across my chest going, hey, and I will embarrass you, all right? So love your mom. Don't be ashamed of your mom. Mothers are incredible. So if mom, you're listening to this, I love you, and I uh, can't wait to see you this next week. So... Um, our idea here, and that is in your outline, your bulletin, what we do normally on Sunday mornings, we just pick a text of Scripture and we walk through that line by line, word by word, verse by verse, so that we don't think the Bible's saying something that it's actually not saying. We take it in context. And our illustration for that is if you overhear a conversation that you come into halfway and you hear something and it's not in context. Have you ever been there, Right? You walk into the situation, you're like, did you just say such and such? They're like, no, no, no. Let me explain the background of the statement. And then you're like, ah, okay, I understand. So that's why we do what we do. So let's jump into the text. This is Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to begin to read in verse 18. And before we read verse 18, notice at the end of verse 17, there should be a comma there. There is no break between verse 17 and 18 and even going further back. Here's how it begins. Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So that... Here's the purpose. So that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. So our main idea is, if you've got your outline, let's go ahead and read that together. Our main idea here this morning is that passionate prayer is an admission of God's sovereignty and our limitations that enables us to stand in the evil day. So what do we mean when we say that God is sovereign? Number one, we don't mean that God is the author of evil. Some people say, okay, Jeff, so if God is in control, then there are things that happen in this world, really bad stuff. So if God is in control, does that mean that God is picking up people like puppets and causing them to do things such as murder and rape and terrorism? So if that's the case, Jeff, then God is actually violating his own law because God said not to do those things. 
That's not the case at all. God is totally in control. God places people in the situations that we find ourselves in life. And God knows exactly everything about a person. And God is so in control that there's no way any person could mess that up. In fact, if we had time to flip to the book of Psalms, it says, like, if you've got this whole group of nations together, and they say, basically, this is a paraphrase, we're going to overcome God, right? Like, imagine that. Like, imagine that the United Nations, if, 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 which is simply funded by the United States so that the rest of the world can tell us how bad we are. That's great logic, isn't it, right? And so let's say, like, if we get everybody on board, like every person in the world, we all come together in this mega world conference, and we've got the representatives from every area of the world. You know, you've got your, your people from, from Japan, and you've got your Russians, and then you've, you've got your guy there in, in, in overalls, you know, in Franklin County. Like, we've got everybody, and they're there, and they all agree... We don't think that God should be God anymore. The Bible says in Psalm chapter 2 that he who sits in the heavens will laugh. God's like, isn't that hilarious? Doesn't matter how many nuclear bombs, how many thermonuclear devices, how many neutron bombs that kills all the protein-bearing flesh but leaves the buildings intact, it does not matter how advanced we get in science, we will never be able to hold the hand of God and open it up and take control out of it and say, God, now you get to sit on the bench and now it's my world. Never, ever, ever. In fact, God is so in control that God caused His Son to be born into the world at the perfect time. In the fullness of time, to where Rome had built roads into most all of the known world. And most of the known world spoke Greek. It was a world language, and Jesus came, and the gospel was spread through that. God is totally sovereign. You say, well, Jeff, why is my life so messed up? We're going to talk about prayer. Jeff, it seems sometimes like I don't even know if I, if I pray 24-7, my problems are so big that I don't even know if I have enough time to pray to get 15% of them. Listen, God is totally in control. And sometimes the things that happen in our lives, we don't understand the end, do we? Do we? Here, so some of you who have... How many parents do we have in here? Just a show of hands. Okay? Alright. How many have ever been tempted to murder? Alright? Same show of hands. Okay. So, so uh, that kind of rolled. Some of you are, Oh, right. This morning on the... Get, go to church. Hi. Yes, we're going to church. Some of y'all act like that has never happened. Liars. (laughs) Parents will say things to children that children have no idea about. Like, for, for example, breakfast. Sometimes parents will buy things like Cocoa Puffs, all right? Tricks. Things that have no... No nutritional value whatsoever. But as you're a kid, right, you want tricks every breakfast, don't you? Or Lucky Charms, which is nothing more than deformed Smarties. Alright? You know what the purpose of a Smartie is? To throw it on the ground and smash it and go, and make dust go everywhere. It's an awesome thing to do when you're a child and when you're in VBS and the teacher's out of the room. Amen. So you've got all of these things and a parent will tell the kid, no, you need to eat your green beans. And I never understood this as a kid because it'll put color in your cheeks. That's right, mom. I want to be known as the green kid. 
You need to eat your vitamins. You need to, you know, have your vegetables. You need to eat your meat. You need to be healthy. But as a kid, the only thing that really they understand is this tastes good and this is nasty. So the point there very simply is that God is so much in control. And sometimes the things that come into our lives, we don't understand why we've been served this plate. And guess what? Maybe we never will until we get to heaven. My question is, are you okay with that? If God in his sovereignty makes control and his power and his love chooses to use you as an instrument of suffering for suffering to come into your life through which God's power will be shown in your weakness if God so chooses to do that, and He will sustain you, He will not leave you, He will not forsake you, but if that is the avenue, if that's the means by which another person sees God's power in your life and says, how could they endure that amount of horrific suffering for them or their family if there was not a God and the one that they claim to follow is the God of the Bible who revealed Himself in His Son, Jesus Christ? I think I want to become a Christian. If God so chooses to do that, but He never gives you like 10 years down the road, you know that's the reason, or 20 years down the road, if you're on your deathbed and you're like, Lord, I still have no idea why these things happened, are you still willing to trust? And what will cause you to say yes or no or maybe is how big we actually think God is. And the way that you very simply answer that question is you say, okay, how big, how powerful, how massive, how omnipotent, like all-powerful is God? I answer that question because I go back and I say, what has God done, right? And the apex of all of God's achievements is sending His Son into human flesh. Like Jesus was not a spirit being, right? You ever seen those weird shows like Unsolved Mysteries? Anybody, does that show still come on? I have no idea. It still comes on. All right. I remember as a kid watching that, and there's like this, this this advertisement. There's like this woman with this glow, and she's up the top of the stairs, like come into the light. And you know, me and my brother were like, oh, you know, change the channel, and you're freaked out. Jesus was not that. Jesus was a human, yet without sin nature. And God, throughout Jesus's life, Jesus never sinned. But the Bible says that he was tempted in all points as we are. Wow. Jesus lived in a world where there were men and there were women. And Jesus never looked lustfully. Jesus never lied. He never stole. He did everything that was perfect. And yet He continued that to a point on the cross when they're actually nailing them to this cross, right? He was there. He'd been beaten and scourged and a crown of thorns had been just jammed onto His head and blood and sweat into His eyes. And, and He's up on the cross At that point, what would come into most of our minds? Words that we probably shouldn't say, right? Who can I call? In that that day and time, who can I call to bring vengeance and kill everybody here? And I'll crucify you. And we'll see who's the one laughing, right? You're laughing at me on the cross? Wait till I get down, right? And then just, a, just pouring out from our heart just that hatred and bitterness towards those who are torturing us to death would come out. But Jesus had so much love and compassion and power. He said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And he died. 
Like he actually died. So Satan won, right? Like, think about it. The Son of God is dead. Graveyard dead. The Romans made sure with the spear. You, you know the story. And, and, but, 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 but three days later, somebody help me out. What happened? Amen. He rose from the dead. He wrote, like he conquered death. And because he conquered death, that's how you see these bookends. If you want to go back to Ephesians chapter number 1, you see the sovereignty of God all through this. All through. You see, uh, go through, just, just for example, verse 21 in Ephesians chapter 1. If God raised Jesus from the dead, then what can't God do? Right? Here's what the text says. Actually, let's back up to to verse number 20. That he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all rule, rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the one to come. Verse 22 is so cool. And he, speaking of God the Father, put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So you've got this book in at the beginning of the book of Ephesians. There's this, this massive picture of an amazingly huge God who can deliver us from anything. And then you come to these last few verses and Paul is exhorting, he's encouraging the people to seek that very same God through prayer. Um, Do we really believe that God is all-powerful? What happens when the bottom falls out in our lives? Like, Seriously, when it hits the fan, what do we turn to? Often we turn to our plans, don't we? If we we had time to turn turn to James chapter 4, verses 13 through 16, the Bible says, you know, you you make these plans, like I'm going to go to this city, and I'm going to do this or that. It says, you don't know, you don't even know what tomorrow is going to bring forth, do you? I mean, is there anybody here who can tell me absolute certainty, everything, everything, 100% decimal, zero, 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 100% what's going to happen tomorrow, totally in your life? No one can make that claim, can they? If they do, hold on to your wallet and run, right? Like, we don't know the future. And God is saying, you know what? We, not only do we not know the future, but we don't even know what today's going to bring forth. Like, seriously, think about it. Mother's Day. Do you really know how it's going to end? I don't. I know after the church, uh, the, the service, and by the way, if you don't have lunch plans, I'm cooking some venison. Come on over. We'll have a good time. Hey, I'm Hopefully, but I don't know if I'm going to make it there. You see, here's the, here's the thing. When we come to prayer, like things about prayer, we pursue these things in our lives so passionately, right? Like our, like our, like our interests and our, and our hobbies, okay? Hobbies. Are they a bad thing? No. Can they be? Yes. What about plans? Is it good to be financially prepared for the future? Sure. It's good to save. But do we really know what's going to happen in the stock market tomorrow? No. What about five years? What about ten years from now? We don't. So this may seem very awkward and like, Jeff, I wish that you would just move on. No, please, please hear me. You do not know what today is going to bring. Can we be honest? All of us? But we do have a God who expresses such passionate love towards us and tells us, seek me and you will find me. Knock on my door and I'll open it. 
I'll, I'll have a relationship with you. And look, I'm here. Come love me. And He's so powerful. But if we have that God, then we do have confidence. Amen? In the future. Because even though the future may be uncertain for us, it is certain for God. And if we are certainly rooted in who God is and we love Him, then that means that God is going to take care of us ultimately. Even if that means living a life of suffering here. So that's why he says, beginning of verse 18, to pray. So, you know, Jeff, what, what is the big deal about, about prayer? Like, what exactly is prayer? Prayer is simply expressing your heart to God. You know what prayer is not? Trying to think of all of the big words to impress God. Now, just think about that for a minute. Have you ever, have you ever been there before? You're trying to pray, and you're like, hold on. I, I can't just say what's really going on in my heart. I got to, honey, where's the dictionary, right? You're like breaking open Webster's, finding big words that you don't even know the meaning of, and they don't even make sense. But you're like, well, God is big, so therefore He likes big words. Listen, when you read the Psalms, you see David passionately pouring out his heart to God. God is not concerned with how flowery we are. Because have you ever thought about how dumb it is to try to impress God? Like, seriously? You know, like we're going to we're going to get this awesome prayer. You know, we're going to write out and memorize and we're going to give that prayer. And God's going to be like, you know, like Sonic Boom on on Street Fighter version one, you know, like totally taken back. Like, wow, that was amazing. No, God is not going to be blown away by our brilliance or by our wisdom. God simply wants us to come to him and brokenness and humility. And here is a way you can find if you have arrogance in your life or if you are humble before God, how do you pray? Or a better question would be, do you pray? You know, in the South, we've got this thing called prayer time, don't we? Any, any of you uh, raise prayer time as kids, right? At night, y'all are scared now. Nobody wants to raise their hand. They're like, prayer time may be bad. I don't want to look dumb, all right? So, like, we're, we're at night and we, we say our, so we say our what? We say our, say our prayers, okay? Is that a bad thing? No. But if we teach people that prayer time is like this little pocket of two minutes or 30 seconds or to teach them a pre-programmed prayer, which Jesus said is simply a vain repetition, don't do it, that they pray, like, honey, pray your prayer, then what we've taught children is that praying is not a relationship-building process with God by which we communicate with Him and He communicates to us. It's simply a tag end on our day that we live. The Bible says something totally different. It says to be in a spirit of prayer, right? That means in everything that we do, to be asking God for wisdom. Some of you, you have a boss that you wish was not your boss. Say, God, would you give me wisdom? Pray when you're going down the road. Just don't bow your head, right? I mean, be in a constant spirit of prayer. Like you think about two people. All right, all right, this this is Mother's Day. Let's go on like a, a man and a woman. You take a husband and a wife and they're newlyweds. They are in constant thought about one another, right? Are y'all okay? Yeah. Man, guys, y'all fell off in the box. I didn't see any guy give the elbow and be like, what's up? You know, you, you got to get to work that, okay? So, so you, you take two people who are passionately in love and they constantly want to be with each other and communicate. And hopefully that is continuing to be the case in your marriage, right? Hopefully it's not just this, this little block of time, like, you know, honeymoon, then, then the early phase, and then the wife says something like, well, if he's at work, I don't have to see him more often. And then he's like, well, if I go out fishing, I don't have to deal with the hag. I mean, what a terrible way to live life, right? I mean, he's so lame. But, but, but they love each other, don't they? 
And because they love each other, they just pour out their hearts to one another and there's that spiritual and emotional and mental and belief-oriented connection that comes through love. That's what God is desiring. So that's why the Apostle Paul says, praying at what times? Help me out. Verse 18. Praying at all times. In the what? In the Spirit. That means that our prayers should reflect the Holy Spirit of God. Now, now, now some of you say, Jeff, I don't really pray. Let's ask this question. Um, let's, let's just do a little open forum right now. Who, and obviously there's going to be some people that are like Sunday school answers, Jesus, you know, the Bible, go to church. All right. Just, who are some of your heroes? Anybody care to share a hero this morning? Father. Okay, good. Who else? Somebody else? Grandfather. All right, good. Anybody else? Mom? Okay. All right. I was surprised. Sometimes people are like, free bird! You know, it's like, no. You know, Stevie Wonder, people like that. Okay. So, think about the concept of a hero. Someone, whether it's someone in your family, someone you would love to meet. If you met that person, you would be totally blown away. In fact, imagine if there's a famous athlete right now, like your favorite athlete or your favorite singer, and they gave you a call. It was not a prank call. And they said, I want to have lunch with you. Right, girls? Justin Bieber, I mean, whoever it is. Bieber, Fever, you know. And they want to have lunch. There would definitely be chaperoning there, right? Your pastor would be standing in the background, right? Me and Barry C., you know, watching out for the girls. person that you absolutely think is awesome gives you a call and said, I want to spend time with you. Not in a creepy type of way, but like, let's go out to lunch or, or let's, let's hang out. You'd be absolutely blown away. Some of you ladies like, if Elvis gave me a call, he's dead. No, he's not. He's not. He's on an island somewhere. He, no. But we would be, wouldn't we? We would be totally blown away. And we would be there maybe with a pad and pen and just kind of like almost giddy, right? Like, this is so cool. That is the text. Praying at all times in the Spirit. Whose Spirit? The Spirit of God. God is saying, look, when you come to me in faith and brokenness and humility, in all of your tears and all of your mistakes, Come to me and pray and search after me and I will give you the ability to say what you need to say. And sometimes your communion with the Lord, it's not a bunch of, you know, Lord, I pray that, you know, you would do this. And, you know, quoting scripture, sometimes the Bible says that the, that the spirit prays for us groanings that can't even be uttered. And some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you have been through such horrific suffering in your life that you say, Jeff, when I try to pray, there are no, there literally are no words that I can muster to describe what I need God to do and describe how I'm feeling. Like the English language, Latin, it doesn't matter. There are no words to express how I'm feeling. The Bible says, notice, praying at all times in the Spirit. God will, through the power of His Spirit, give us the ability to pursue Him through prayer. So we should pray at all times. You say, Jeff, is there a danger of, of, of not, not praying? Well, the danger of not praying puts yourself in this guy's position. If you were with this guy back in the day and, and you put on this armor and you went into battle... Okay? There's a thousand of the enemy facing you. 
There's, fly, there's flaming arrows. There, there, there's all sorts of missiles coming towards you. And you walk out there, you know, that like there, there's, there, there's, there's throwing knives and, and hatchets and javelins. And maybe they're Franklin Countyites, you know, like a broken moonshine bottle. I mean, it, it's just a horrific, like, like a terrible scene, blood and gore and guts. And you walk out there in a Bermuda shirt, shorts and flip-flops like, ah, big gulps, huh? Hey, guys, you will get totally owned, Right? You're like, Jeff, why do you even make points like that? Like, that's so elementary. That's so basic. Even to say it is to insult my intelligence. To live as a person in this world and not seek God through passionate prayer is to do the same thing. Let's just be real. Some of you men, you've never led your families in prayer. This is the day that you could, you could start, right? Here's how it starts. This is the most difficult part. Say, look, I've not been the leader that I should be. But today, I'm going to start. That's it. Start praying with your family. Start praying for your family. When you get up in the morning, look at Ephesians chapter 6 and pray the armor on your wife and your children. God, here's the thing. Here's the thing. And I heard a pastor say this is so, so true. He said, it doesn't matter how good of a sermon I preach, your kids will probably forget that, right? I mean, if I ask you guys, what did I preach on last week? Maybe some of you would know. Sometimes I don't even know. All right. Just being, you know, you get so busy. But a child will never, they will never, ever, your sons and your daughters will never, your grandchildren will never forget you praying with them. It's a precious, awesome thing. So pray at all times. And in prayer, if you think about it like this, it's really a tacit admission of of the power of God. You stand up, Jeff. Sometimes, man, when I try to pray, it's like I feel a blockage. Um, go ahead and write this down. It's uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. If you're a dude, this could be the cause. Um, it says, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life. That means that they receive the blessings in marriage and from the Lord the same as you do. And here's what the text says. So that your prayers may not be hindered. So men, if you have been, what's the text say? Live in an understanding way. If you have not tried to understand because women go through a lot more than we do. It's just a fact of nature. If you have not shown honor to her, it's a time to repent. It's a time to get right because the Bible says, you don't hear this very often in churches, guys, if we treat our sisters in Christ in a demeaning and and an abusive type, that doesn't even have to be physical, in a way that makes them feel stupid without you having to actually say you are an idiot, if it's that type of thing or if you don't even try to express your love for her, the Bible says that God is not okay with that and when you try to pray and have communion, God will not hear you. You. Now, some people will try to twist that around, but that's exactly what the text says. Say, oh man, I have messed up. Repent, ask your wife for forgiveness, and start anew. Amen? Don't sit there and let it hang over. Just, just, just repent and, and get right. Another thing could be, um, sometimes people focus in their prayer. They say, well, Jeff, what do I do when I pray? Like, do I get down on my face? Do I get down on my knees? Um, what, how do I actually um, pray? Uh, I think that sometimes we can have a misfocus on the method, right, of prayer instead of what prayer actually is. Oswald Chambers said this, It is an easy thing within one's own mind to replace God with one's own compassion. Right? So sometimes we feel good, right? 
I feel good. Right? That song. Sometimes we feel good and sometimes we just don't. Can I get a witness? I like what Mark Lowry says. He says, man, sometimes I I wake up and I do not feel saved. Right? He says, sometimes, some days I don't even smell saved. I just have these days and it just is like, it's just a bad day. You know, it's like so bad when I come home and like squirrels are crossing the road. I try to run over the squirrel. It's just like a, a day that's just bad and, and I have these horrific feelings. And I, I just, I just, I'm just mad at the world. Like, go ahead and give me a tree. I'll punch it in the face. I will knock that tree over. One of those days, what can happen is that if we focus upon our feelings Some days we don't even feel like God cares anymore. And then some days we just feel great, right? Ever been around a person like that? They swing from one to the end of the, and you're like, you know, you're like, okay, before I talk to them, or, before she or he wakes up, I've got to work on my dodging maneuvers, right? Because I don't know if I'm going to get punched or hugged. We can allow our emotions to so govern us that when we actually feel like we're praying, we're not actually praying, we're just on an emotional high. Or you see, it says praying at all times. In the quote, good times, and in the quote, Bad times. To come to God through prayer. A.W. Tozer, incredible man of God, said this. And I think this will be a great main idea to carry away from this sermon. Key to prayer? Simply praying. Did y'all catch that? That was deep, wasn't it? Philosophy people? All right, here we go. Ready? Here we go. One, two, three. The key to prayer is simply praying. And all God's people said, wow. Right? Deepness. Wasn't that deep? Or was it deep? You see, what happens so often is we try to make God's word so much more complicated than it is. It's like, it's like this. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The, the, the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. The wages of sin is death. If you trust in me, I will forgive you. I will clean you up. And we're like, so what do I have to do? For it is by grace that you've been saved, not of works, not of yourselves, lest anyone should boast. And you're like, okay, so how many years do I have to get given service before God saves me? It's like, no, it's simple. It's receiving totally what God has done for us, on behalf of us. And the awesome thing is it says, praying at all times in the Spirit, notice the next phrase, with all prayer and supplication. Um, all prayer, the, 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 the word for supplication here is um, for our thinkers. It's actually made up of the word, uh, the participle praying, like a continual, you're praying. And this word that has to do with a passionate um, request. This is called, um, for example, if someone in your family has been in a car wreck, or someone you know is desperately lost and on the slippery slope to the road to hell, and you fall down on your knees and you say, God, please save my child. And what we need too is some parents in the church not to make excuses for their children, but actually pray for their children to be saved. Y'all right? But what happens sometimes is we want to be respectable. Listen, when we come to God, that passionate, that, that, that word supplication means the most passionate prayer that you can, you can possibly muster. Um, F.F. F. Bruce said this. He said, the bond of fellowship which united the people of God is never more effective than when they are praying for one another. Wow. And notice it says, um, with all prayer, all prayer, all sorts, all kinds, 
Some days you can get up and see the sunrise and be like, Lord, you are awesome. Guys, if you're married, you get up in the morning and you just, you freak out your wife. You're like, wow! And she's like, what's wrong? You're like, God was totally showing off when he made you. Some days you just look out and you're like, this is amazing. God, you are awesome. And you're driving down the road and you're listening you know, to godly music, music and you're just like, what's up? You're just like, you know, represent to the Lord. But then some days it's like it's really difficult and you say, God, would you please help me? Some days you know of people who need prayer and you pray for them. All sorts of prayer. Because it goes back to the one that we pray to is all powerful. Right, church? Right? Like if we get that, like if we get that, then everything else falls in, in line. Because if God is not all-powerful, it's kind of like the guy... I don't know if you ever played sports and you had that guy on your basketball team and he was like a black hole. Like if you gave him the ball, you would never get it back. Anybody Can anybody identify with me before? Alright? Okay, like... And it's like, you know... Doesn't, doesn't matter, right? It's like, okay, alright guys, here's the plan. Give me the ball and I'll throw it the whole length of the court. Alright? That's our plan. Break. And they're not even good. How does that happen? I, that doesn't bother me at all. You guys can see that, right? Totally over that. And, and, and you don't have confidence in the person because you know their weakness. Well, the fact is that the Lord, amen, He has no weakness. And He says, I want you to come to me. So, so you say, Jeff, why is it that sometimes in my life I just go through my life and I don't pray? Why is it? Why is it that, that, that we live sometimes and we don't pray? I think if you'd really boil it down is, is that, we're, that we're proud and then we think that we can live life on our own. But the thing is that we don't know what we're missing. And sometimes what God has to do is He has to take certain things away. And we're not saying that we know why or how or when these things happen to drive us to our knees in prayer. And notice it says halfway through verse 18 to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Perseverance means not to get distracted. And some people are like, no, 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 Jeff, you know, I, I get kind of distracted, all right? I'm ADD, okay? Got some ADD people in the house? Y'all are, y'all are staying undercover. You're like, I don't know. Jeff, is that bad? You know, I'm ADHD. I'm ADHD. I'm really hyper. I get distracted easy. You know, and some people will say, oh man, Jeff, you know, like praying and stuff, I'm just not a reader. I, I, don't, I don't get focused. Here's a news flash. It's called being human. Think about it. There's no person on the face of the earth that outside of God working in their life, sit down for four hours, mighty Father in heaven, I ask for you, beseech your blessings. And they, they, they just go like a machine. It is the power of God that works in our life. So if you have things in the past, you're like, man, I haven't been able to do this. I haven't been able to do that. I feel kind of like a loser. I messed this up. Jeff, I sit down to pray. Right? I sit down to pray for my family. And all of a sudden, I'm thinking, you know, like of, of, of Looney Tunes. Like, I don't even know what's going on. It's called being human. And it is the fact that we acknowledge our weaknesses to God through prayer that enables Him to help us pray to Him as we should. Uh, My grandfather was a World War II veteran. He was on a ship in the Pacific and they were um, getting ready to engage the Japanese warships. And a man on uh, one of his shipmates asked him, he says, I don't know how to pray. And my granddad says, well, when the time comes, you'll know. The man I know in South Carolina, Charles Moses, was on the USS Yorktown. I know him personally. He's an amazing man of God. 
Sometimes God can use things that a lot of times we don't think could produce realness afterwards. He said, this is his testimony. He won't talk about what happened in the, in the bombing and, and, and the, the, the violence and such, but, but he, he will tell his testimony. He says, I was there on deck looking up, seeing the bombs fall. Now, now you're there. You're on the Yorktown. And you see these Japanese zeros blasting what it looks like the world into oblivion. And you see bombs falling. And he said, when I saw the bombs falling, I said, Jesus, would you save me? And I want to live for you. And ever since that time, he has. He goes out on visitation to share the gospel every week on Tuesday night. He's in his late 80s. He's this tall drink of water. And he still flirts with his wife. It's so cool. She's like, Charles, it's so awesome. He's like, yeah. it's just such a cool you know, relationship that he has. But the Lord, whether you're on the USS Yorktown or whether you are here today, God can use many things to bring you to knowledge of him. And notice what the text says in verse 19. And also for me, Paul says, look, guys, I'm here in prison. Pray that words may be given to me in the opening of my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. For which, check this out, I'm an ambassador in chains that I may declare it. Here it is again. Boldly as I ought to speak. What he's saying is that, you know what? In order to truly follow Christ, I need God's boldness. Now we know what happened with the Apostle Paul before this. Remember him and, him and Silas were in this prison? You guys remember Paul and Silas when they were in the prison? They had been beaten. They had been stretched out on racks. right? They were there in prison. And then they began to, to pray and they just began to sing. They didn't say they were great singers. didn't say they were bad singers. They simply began to sing and to pray. And then it says that the whole jail, this is crazy, it shook and every door opened and all the chains fell off. Everybody. I remember watching 24 with Jack Bauer when they, when they did a prison break and they, they, they engineered this thing. And all of a sudden, all the doors opened in, these, in this maximum security prison. And all of these guys walk out. And then it's just like all hell broke loose. That didn't happen here. They all came out. You say, now Jeff, hold on, man. You, you're, you're telling me you're 21st century like... The whole place was shaking and all the doors opened and all the chains fell off. Do you really believe, like seriously, just level with me, bro. Is that really what you think happened? See, yes. And upon what basis can I believe that that happened? Because Jesus rose from the dead. Amen? If God can do that, then making chains fall off and doors open is no problem. So then, in that day and time, if you were a jailer and your prisoner escaped, you got killed, right? Wouldn't that be a pretty good uh, incentive, right? To, to keep people in the jail if you're the jailer. So here's what the jailer does. He pulls out his sword and the, the guy is about to actually like stab himself with a sword. This is not slitting the wrist. This is like, I'm going to run myself through with a sword, full sword. And then he, then, then Paul comes and he says, don't, don't hurt yourself. And then he looks at Paul and Silas and he says, sirs. Did you catch that in text? Luke chapter 16, I believe it is. He called them sirs, right? A few hours ago, he was, beat, he was actually torturing these guys. And the power of God shows up through prayer. And he says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Paul is looking back on this, writing these final words in the book of Ephesians. Then, 
after the, he wrote the book of Second Timothy, he was called. Some of you may know the story. He was called, and, and, and Caesar Nero finally said, "Enough is enough." I want that Jesus freak dead. So since he was a Roman citizen, they, they didn't crucify him. They brought him, and the way that the Roman law was is there, there were several modes of execution, but most, of, most often with Roman citizens, it was by beheading. And they, they, they brought Paul, and, and they put him on this, this block. And, and before that, he had been chained. And notice what the text says. He says, I'm an ambassador of Christ. And, and what? Chains? Fetters? Chains? He was chained to two soldiers. Imagine having that job as a soldier. You're going to get preached at your whole shift. Amen? Finally, they, they unhooked him and they, they brought him out, put him on the chopping block. And, and then the axe fell. And the Apostle Paul, his body was still here, but he went to be with the Lord Jesus. And I heard Jerry Ryan say it like this. It's a pretty, pretty cool way to kind of summarize it. He said that maybe Nero and some of those, the executioners and the guards said, that old fool... That old Christ follower, he just bit the dust. Jerry Vine says, no, he didn't bite the dust. He just, think in terms of a race, he just broke the tape. Because my race has been run. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the faith. And the words that God inspired him to write to us is that until we make it there, pray at all times for all people. And let's see the power of God come. Let's bow our heads and and close our eyes as we um, come to this time of invitation. <clears throat> there are some of you um, who you say, man, Jeff, I've, I've never been baptized. I need to do what, what Bev and uh, Curtis were willing to do. I want to identify with Jesus. Will you just ask that when we begin to sing? Um, it's just very simple. When, when, when the music starts, you can just come and get up out of your seat and, and walk down here. And, and just let me know you'd like to be baptized. And, and we would love to do that. And some of you, you know, you've actually prayed. You've actually prayed. You've not just felt or gotten mad at somebody at another church. You've actually prayed. Say, Lord, where do you want me to go? And the Lord has brought you here. If, if you're here and, and, and you're ready to, to join up here and, and serve the Lord, just come on. And some of you, you don't know. Like, you, seriously, you, you say, Jeff, I've never even prayed to ask the Lord to take control of my life. I've never been changed I may have gone to church as a child, but today I need to just turn my life over 100% to God. I need to be made into a new person. Well, if that's you, the Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Just right now, just, just say, Lord, would you change me? Ask Him to save you. It doesn't have to be a fancy prayer. Just say, Lord, would you take control of my life? Repent of your sin, place your faith in Him. And if you're ready to, to live for Him, I'm going to ask you to, uh, to come and, and walk down and, and let everybody here know. Say, you know what, this is, this is what I believe in and this is what I'm ready to do. Father, we thank you for this time of studying your word. We thank you for the Apostle Paul, for the book of Ephesians that you um, allowed him to write under the inspiration of your spirit. And we just ask, God, that uh, you would work during this time of invitation. And for the ones, God, who, who just Christians, but they've been prayerless. God, would you break our hearts and bring us back in brokenness and humility to you? Would you just extend your arms of love and would you take away the guilt and shame for some of us who have, who have lived in our own wisdom and just day in and day out, not even consulting you except for right before we go to bed? God, would you change your hearts today? Would you place lost people 
upon our hearts. Lord, there may be some who simply need to come to the front here and and just kneel down and pray for their friends and family to be saved. God, would you help us to become a praying church? In Jesus' name, amen.